I saved the last rose, and it's for you. Welcome to episode number 239 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. With me today is Elise and also B and Leah from The Ripped Bodice. As promised, they are going to talk all about this past season of The Bachelor. And they talk about the multiple storylines that are presented in each season with what's going on beneath the surface and behind the scenes and between all the people who tune in every week. Now, if you're listening and you're thinking, I do not watch The Bachelor, this is not going to be very interesting. I am not a reality television show watcher either. And I thought this was really fascinating. Now I have two notes. One, there's a bit of uneven volume in the audio that I tried to fix and I did my best. There's also a few scuffing noises um, on the microphones and that was a cat. And I know that cat is not sorry, so I'm not gonna apologize on behalf of the cat. Now I do have compliments, which is the most fun. So for Ariadne, I hope I said that right. Maybe it's Ariadne. Two people, independent of one another, just wrote poems in two different languages, both wishing that they could meet someone like you. To Linda D., there are at least six individuals walking around doing their thing, all of whom are smiling today because of you. And to Jamie, entrance to the Underground Fairy Dance Pavilion is restricted on your birthday due to an overabundance of celebration, and I thought you should know that. And if you are wondering, what is this crazy business? Have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches for small or medium-sized or large pledges. You can help support the show and help commission transcripts for episodes that don't have them. But at some pledge levels, there are individual handcrafted, artisan, locally sourced compliments that are all heartfelt and handcrafted by me. So if you have had a look or if you are a podcast patron, thank you so much for that. I have a podcast sponsor to tell you about. The podcast today is being sponsored by author Tracy Ewens, whose new book, Exposure, comes out on March 28th, 2017. Tracy knows you like romance, and so she would like you to know that her latest contemporary romance has the following excellent flavors of catnip. Are you ready? First, a wildlife photographer heroine, Meg, who has recently moved back to San Francisco. She wants a life with more stability where she can see her family more than once a year and indulge in things like owning a toaster and using a full-size tube of toothpaste. Number two, a famous hero with secrets. Weston is an actor known best for blockbuster movies in which he drives a menagerie of exceedingly fast cars. But West would kind of like his 15 minutes of fame to be over. He misses his privacy and in real life, he's a terrible driver. And number three, heads up, a fake relationship. A media frenzy erupts after a very simple kiss on the cheek, and when they're thrown together in public, Meg discovers the real person behind the photographs, and West begins to wonder how he can live his real life without her in it. Nothing is simple when it seems like the world is watching. You can pre-order Exposure wherever ebooks are sold, and thank you to Tracy Ewens for sponsoring this episode. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater, and I will have information at the end of the podcast as to where you can find this and all the other songs we feature. Plus, if you're looking for past episodes, you can go to iTunes.com slash DBSA for a complete collection of previous episodes with the books that we mention each, in each of them. Excuse me. Plus, if you've got some questions or you want to leave a comment, you can always find us at SpartBitchesTrashyBooks.com slash podcast. And now, without any further delay, on with the podcast. Mr. Williams, would you like to say good morning too? 
Oh my god. <laughs> Was that him? Yeah. Hey Fitz. Good morning to you. I don't have any thoughts on The Bachelor. <laughs> you know, one of my questions is actually what did Fitz think? Elise, are you here? I am here. I'm just speechless because I'm podcasting with B. Fitzwilly Waffles. Oh. Hi, Elise. Hi. He loves podcasting. It's his favorite. Yep. Mostly because <laughs> we sit there and he gets to snuggle with us. Okay, ladies. So tell me. How was this season of The Bachelor, and should I name this episode a Bachelor Most Vile? Yeah, yeah. But I also think that's probably been done. <laughs> oh, right. that's definitely so, not original. Here's <laughs> how I feel about this season of The Bachelor. That's B. This is B. It was a good season without the without the main guy. <laughs> <laughs> if, if or take McVile, whatever, and Vanessa, to be quite frank. And the other girls were amazing. We loved Raven. We love Rachel. And Corinne is an amazing villain. So kudos, Bachelor producers, for your casting. Nick, we're done with you. We never want to see you on another Bachelor show again. Yeah. This Nick, like- Nick reminds me of, like, he's like leftover meatloaf. Like, you're going to eat it because it's there, but you're not excited about it at all. Yeah. Yeah, so... We, so we have a whole crew who watches The Bachelor on Monday nights at our house. Um, people we went to college with and some childhood friends. Um, and so it was very split when he was announced as The Bachelor. He, some people were excited and me was not excited. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like everyone was excited but me. Leah was, I was like, why are we giving this dude a fourth chance? Yes, that's exactly what she said. She's a bit. Well, and he—he was so terrible. On I—I still haven't forgiven him for slut shaming Andy. Yeah, like three years ago, for daring to have sex with him when she was considering marrying him. My God, how dare she! And I don't think he deserves his whole own season of The Bachelor. And he was boring. Right. So for people who haven't watched the show on The Bachelorette, there we we get the fantasy suites portion. So she slept with him and presumably three other guys and did not pick him in the end. And he made a comment uh, on air about why would you have sex with me if you weren't going to marry me? Well, this all leads back to my thesis that Nick is really shitty in bed, right? Because, okay, (laughs) there's that. Then he he slept with a woman named Liz after a wedding. This is all before the show. She comes on The Bachelor, and he gets rid of her super, super fast because she's talking to other women about the fact that they had sex. And apparently after they had sex, often real life, not on the show, she declined to give her him uh, her phone number because she didn't want to see him again at that time. Again, all supporting my theory that he's just really crap in bed. That seems like a good theory. (laughs) And that whole episode was so bizarre. It was like, why did she not give him her... Like, I agreed. Why hadn't she given him her number if she was interested and then come on a TV show? It was a bit odd. He was not there for the right reasons. But but he also wasn't right in the way he treated her. So no one came out looking good. And it wasn't a great... I I didn't love that little story arc. (laughs) One of the things that kind of bothers me about The Bachelor that I don't think it's, so it's what, like 10 years old now? Not like our 
society's mores have shifted a lot in 10 years, but it still kind of has a very antiquated view about sex. And when it first started, it took itself super seriously and it's a little more tongue in cheek now. Um, But you know that people on this show are having sex with each other. I would contend that in the mansion, there are people having sex with each other who aren't the bachelor, right? You know, sex is happening and nobody really cares. Nobody cares that you slept with this guy before the show. Nobody cares that maybe you have sex in the fantasy suite. Adults have sex. They have sex when they're considering being in a relationship together. They have sex just because it feels good. Nobody fucking cares. We did all comment this season that they, especially leading up to the fantasy suite, they were all a lot more frank about what was about to happen. Well, I think that was because Nick was cast as this, like, extremely sexual. Yeah. Did did anyone, it was really weird. It was like, they talked about sex more this yeah. season than I think they ever had. But that was had. good, because I don't like it when they're like, oh, in the fantasy suite, we're just gonna talk. I agree. But it was weird that it, like, came at the expense of Nick's, like, other like he didn't really have another personality trait (laughs) well and it cracks me up that they cast him as being like this super sexual guy who slept with all these people because i don't think it's true i think he's probably slept with a normal amount of people but also the guy can't fucking sit on a couch correctly he's got no coordination like he's not he's not don juan i he's not he's not going to be able to manage two erogenous zones at the same time that's all i'm saying like really good call Right. Yeah, he's it's it's not great. When Raven said that she had never had an orgasm, which by the way, so if you didn't watch the show, Raven is amazing and I love her and I hope she gets her own show because she's hilarious. Very interesting as well. And she's a small business owner. Yes, like we that. love that. But it's yes. a much deeper Raven than may have been portrayed on the TV show. I was very impressed by what I found there. <laughs> Just like lots of nice posts. Well, she's from Hoxie, Arkansas, so she's like did this post about the integration of the schools because that's the first place they integrated and like about how she couldn't be there but she really wanted to because it meant a lot to be from that hometown it was just a really nice thing to say um on a day that like wasn't getting national attention it wasn't like everyone was like oh today's the day um and she made a post about it and she just like is going back home and talking about her employees and how amazing they are running the store while she wasn't there and Obviously, we feel some <laughs> kinship to Raven. Yes, being a small business owner, but I like Raven. I do not want her to go on Paradise. I'm concerned. I have, I have, a, I have two questions. One, one thing that I because I do not watch the the show. I I like to work out my own abs, but not by cringing. And so, <laughs> reality TV. It's not for me. But I I am also not one of those people who's like, oh, my God, you suck because you watch reality TV because I spend a lot of time defending romance against that same thing. I should not do it myself. So I can't watch cringe television. It's just I I can't do it. But I have two things that I constantly hear. One is you guys just brought it up a second ago. Being there for, quote, unquote, the right reasons. What are the right reasons? Is there an understood code of conduct that part of the tension of the show is them not adhering to that code of conduct? It's actually the same thing as romance. It's true love, TM. Love. Love is real. It's it's true love, TM. You, you cannot be there to get famous. You cannot be there to make friends. 
you cannot be there to do any of the things that make the TV show good. To to get, as Elise very correctly points out, free vacation. Oh. Free vacation. Instagram followers. Any of those things. Those the only reason you are there is to fall in love with one person who you may or may not actually like when you meet in person. Right. Which is why <laughs> we particularly love Bachelor in Paradise, because that shit is not even... It's Bachelor in Paradise is a mess. There are no... Right, the code goes away. Yes, the code goes away. There are no rules. And they're all there, like, with with the express purpose of, we're going to be on a TV show together and get more Instagram followers. And also have and a lot of And some of us drinks. are going to have sex. We're going to have free drinks. The, the producers are definitely going to make fun of us. It's much more tongue-in-cheek. Like, one time they edited this girl talking to a raccoon. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> um... <laughs> Because she was talking to a producer off camera, and they cut out the producer and, like, stone cold edited in a raccoon <laughs> to make her look funny and was crazy. What? Wait, so is that on every year, or is that, like, is that sort of, like, the intermission between Bachelor and Bachelorette? Intermission is the summer show. Bachelor cycle goes... Oh, God, it has a cycle? Ba- yes. yes. The Bachelor is in January. They, the Bachelorette is one of the top four-ish girls from that, and that starts usually April-May. And then Bachelor in Paradise is in August, and it's cast-offs from those two seasons plus the last couple of seasons. If there were any, like, fan favorites. Right. Of The Bachelor. And then, unfortunately, we have to suffer through the fall without anything, and then it starts over in January. So the right reasons for The Bachelor and The Bachelorette are to find true love, capital T, capital L-T-M, with a little R in a little circle. Like, you're genuinely there to at least pretend convincingly that you are interested in finding a permanent life relationship with this person in front of, you know, umpty 12 producers, cameramen, crew, grips, makeup, and and soundstage people. Going back again, when it first started, it took itself really, really seriously. And I think there is an acknowledgement now that it is happening on two levels, as weird as that sounds. So there's no, the, that's exactly what I was trying to figure out. Is, yes. Is so there a there's, second level? Yes. So there's the level, like I'm not here to make friends. I'm, I'm here for Nick. I'm here for whatever. But then there's the level that is still really transparent that you're here for some level of exposure. Um, you know, all of these women are too good for him. Absolutely. They're all super attractive, super accomplished, intelligent, um, most of them are really well spoken. Like they, none of them need to show up to this show to find a partner, and so that's an elaborate fiction. And you get like these little glimpses of what's going on behind the scenes. Like there was a comment on um, like the Women Tell All special. So Liz had really the the show had really played up the fact that she had had sex with Nick, like to the point where I thought they were going to come out and like paint a scarlet letter on her, <laughs> and it was so ridiculous. And after, during the special, one of the women stood up and said, you know, she like kind of pointed the finger at ABC and said, you know, the world just knows you as someone who had sex with Nick, but, you know, we know you as someone who's been raising money to, to build wells and build orphanages and you're amazing. And it turned out like the women are, they communicate with each other after they leave the show. And it, there's definitely a level, I think, of friendship and we're going to go on vacation with other cool women. And he's, yeah, he's really kind of an, and also ran. I, I felt like there was a distinct possibility during Women's Hall that they were going to revolt against ABC. They kept, yes. They kept each each woman they would, like, bring up to the, this is what they really call it, hot seat, 
Um, and they would like, you know, bring up whatever her great scandal of the season was. And then all the women would be like, who cares? We like her anyway. Yeah, except for the few who are trying to make a name for themselves so that they can get on Paradise. Haley, I'm looking at you. There's always one person who's very obviously out there to do whatever they need to do to get fast reality TV famous. Right. And and there's a very set cast. So if you haven't watched Unreal and you're you're not a fan of The Bachelor, I would recommend it. It's it's a show, a scripted show about the Bachelor producers. Um and it really like it's written by a woman who was formerly a Bachelor producer. So it really does kind of show what they're doing behind the scenes and we comment on that our viewing party talks a lot about what how the, people are being manipulated what the producers are doing to get people to say and do the ridiculous things they're saying right the thing people don't understand about the bachelor is these women are put in the mansion they're not allowed television books magazines they literally have nothing to do all day they're given makeup and they like do and each other alcohol. that's why they all have crazy nails all the time because they're always painting their nails and they all do their <laughs> nails they, they're wasted they just mm-hmm. sit they're like literally not allowed to entertain themselves except by oh and they can work out so it's like a dollhouse yeah, yeah it's it's really a bizarre situation so it totally makes sense that the girls would bond however that doesn't mean they're going to then go against their set role in the cast. So even if, which is what's interesting, and I think Elise said this, they talk in our friends afterwards and you see the villain like absorbed into the group. So we've seen like nice posts about Corinne from all of these girls. And you're like, wait, she was awful. But, you know, she was cast as that by the producers. She was supposed to be the villain. But that doesn't mean that they all think she's like actually that person. This is very right. Regency-esque. So, like, you know, in the Regency, um, I think it was Adele Smith who pointed out that, you know, in, in the Regency, courtship is happening in public. So you're trying to be alone with all of these forces that are actually trying to keep you apart that actually want you to be together but only in prescribed ways. So with, right. the, with, the, with, the, with the house, with, the, with the, the bachelor contestants in the mansion, they are – being manipulated by the producers and have to undermine what the producers are doing by helping each other while at the same time supporting what the producers are doing because that's what they've quote unquote been hired to do or what that's why they're there. Also, you can see very clearly that they believe that the producers are their friends. Uh oh. And that seems bad. Perhaps true to some extent. Some of them definitely, I'm sure, create friendships with the producers. They also, because of the cycle of shows now, they are trying to befriend the producers so they can get on the next show. The producers aren't going to cast some girl who was a horrible witch the entire time to them. Right. They don't deal with people like that, unless they're amazing TV, in which case they'll deal with it. But that's a whole other thing. So you can see the girls, like, buddying up to the producers in the hopes that then they get on paradise and then they get their own season the 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 pinnacle is getting your own season right but you have to be like it's really bizarre it's almost as if you're watching two shows you're watching what's happening on the screen and then you're trying to figure out what's happening behind the scenes yeah like six shows yeah and there's there's lots of other elements because we don't we don't read spoilers but other people read spoilers and the spoilers frequently feature like a lot of behind the scenes information like 
this is these people hated each other or this is what all the girls actually thought about this girl because they all go and talk to each other and there's this thing called the bachelor family which is the network of people who have been on these shows for 10 years can you imagine that whatsapp or that that whatsapp chat group like emma watson was saying during the press tour of beauty and the beast that she created a group just of the harry potter cast so they can all talk to each other which uh, whoever wants to read that i'm right in line i mean it's totally an invasion of their privacy but that must be amazing i wonder if there's a similar one for bachelor contestants i think that the women are a lot more supportive and a lot closer than the producers want to let us see because there have been a lot of moments on the show where like you catch kind of these glimpses that they haven't edited out like you know there was one where one of the women was she was having a hard time she was getting kind of emotional and she was crying and just struggling um with it and you know they were like you're beautiful you're amazing you have this don't worry about it you know it's gonna be fine and you're thinking okay so supposedly if you guys are competing against each other why are you guys in the bathroom with her rubbing her back and telling her she's beautiful and amazing so you get these glimpses that you know they they try to like you said they portray this very regency-esque courtship ritual but that's not really what's going on and i think they also um kind of one of the things that I've, I've always wondered about is like, why is everyone crying? Why is everyone so stressed out? My understanding is they really compress filming. So everyone's like super exhausted while this is going on. They're all operating on like four hours of sleep a night. Oh, dude, I would cry. I'd cry on the hour. No problem. Right. Sign me up. They're, they're drunk. They're drunk yeah, and they're, they're tired. And yeah. They're, yeah, that's exactly right. I think the friendships are, are most most interesting because you you do see glimpses of it one example um raven was in the final episode before rachel kicked off raven's like holding this note and and viewers noticed it and they were like what's with the note who who gave raven a note is it from nick oh my god it was from rachel she'd written her a letter like saying goodbye to her basically and had it ready so that she she if she got kicked off she could say everything she wanted to say to Raven because they were like that they had become that close. Oh, so right. That's not something that they would have highlighted because it doesn't make sense if they are both in love with this man. Then why would they be forming this close friendship? It it just doesn't make sense with the story. But that's actually what happened. And then there's the tension of all of these women are supposed to be competing with each other, which you know traditional portrayals are almost always that women compete against each other terribly. And then beneath that, you have genuine support and competition at the same time. You have this, this tension of which one is the actual reality. Right. You know, I don't think that anyone ends the show with actually being in love with each other (laughs) ever. I mean, I think, I mean, honestly, I think there could be like a level of infatuation or, sexual attraction but it's not like you've spent enough time together to be in love and so I don't think that um, there's as much tension between the women as you would think because I don't think they're as emotionally invested in this guy as the the series makes it out to be I mean would, how much time do you think they actually spend with him one on one throughout like the season if you make it to the end someone tallied up the hours so they filmed for six weeks that's, that's the length of this relationship you're traveling all the time and they don't travel together so it's not like they're like spending long hours together that we don't see they're kept apart nick is kept separate from the women gotta be like a sum total of like 
three days yeah. or something. And like, right. like, you've probably had three dates with this person. Right. So I think people have genuinely fallen in love with each other after the show. Right. Because they maybe like became really close and they really enjoyed each other and then were able to take themselves out of this situation and build a relationship. The the relationships that have survived do not survive in Hollywood. Nick dancing with the stars. Right. Wants to be an actor. That's not going to work. You, you have to take yourself out of the entertainment industry. I think probably my favorite bachelor was Sean Lowe. Yes. Um, there because... are success stories. Oh, no, my favorite right. story is Desiree and Chris. But when he was with Catherine on the show, like, when you saw them together, it was, it was much less scripted, and it was, like, goofy, awkward, they were just being dorks together, and it's like, oh, that's really what it looks like when you start falling in love with someone, where it's not, um, it's not camera ready, like, you're kind of giggly and stupid and dorky. Sean is a really good example of who this can work for he's a religious guy so so he was ready to be married and he he was really smart about how he made his decision and and i think the producers have spoken about that so fifth loves the bachelor he does it on his instagram story he does all his reactions to what's happening um and he was a big fan of corinne this season who i don't think we've given enough airtime to today (laughs) did you see the dog bachelor Oh my god, what? What? Okay, so I can't remember what I have to... I'll start looking it up. It's some rescue that they did a dog bachelor where they cast all these women and they're like sitting around a living room drinking wine and they're, then they go on dates with the dog to see who... It's a Santa Fe animal rescue uh, to see who, who the dog will pick to be their adopted mom. And it is hilarious and the best thing on earth. I'll send you a link, Sarah, so you can link at the end of the podcast. I can't remember what the dog's name is, but they're all like, you know, if Cody doesn't pick me to take him home, you know, my heart will be broken. And, like, I believe more convincingly that these women are emotionally invested in who this dog will allegedly choose to be their adopted mom than I do in the actual Bachelor. Sounds so good. I can't wait to watch it. That sounds amazing. So how do you guys see this relating to romance as a genre? Because you said earlier, I think it was B that you that, who said this, that, that The Bachelor is very much like a romance novel, structurally. That there's, yeah. there's an established structure wherein things happen and everyone understands the structure. And then what goes on inside the structure is different every time. Is that, is that the similarity you see or was it a different sort of way these fit together? Uh, yeah, I mean, I see a lot of the story arcs that we see in romance in the bachelor seasons they they definitely manufacture these particular storylines and i think like any good drama any good media shares those those same themes so i think it's it's as simple as that but i do think i mean we don't really believe in the ending so it it's a little different in that I don't know. It depends. Some some seasons we've we've rooted for them to make it. Not this one. Yeah. Um. I I think it's a similar. It's similar to romance in that it's something that groups of women enjoy together and yeah. have fun with and are frequently shamed for when it's really like 
let's not be so serious about our reality television. Well, I think that's a really... So we watch The Bachelor with a, a group of women, and it's been growing and changing, and it's a really special thing for us every Monday to bring everyone together. We cook. And we all hang out. And when we don't have it, we, we don't see those people as much. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really nice that every week everyone makes time for something like that. So that's the, probably the most special part to us. The, right. The, and I think a lot, Bachelor Nation is uh, made up of big and small viewing parties, I think. And also, if you watch The Bachelor by yourself, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes we don't have our viewing party and we all try and watch it separately and we're like, ugh, but <laughs> It's not as fun if you can't. Yeah, we yell at the screen, we have opinions, we also we fill out brackets. We, like, make it this kind of, like, whole ritual thing. So that's what's special about it for us. And Elise, you watch it while drinking. I do watch it while drinking. It's a lot more fun when you're mildly drunk. Like, you have to hit that... Everything is kind of warm, and I'm just a tiny bit sleepy drunk. Because if you go too far in the other direction, I find I just get mad. I get rum rage. You know, I started watching it a few years ago, and it was one of those things where, like, my husband came into the room and, like, was, what the fuck is this? And then he sits down and starts watching it with me and gets super invested. And so now he pretends like he's put out by it every time it's on, but he's secretly 1,000% there for the crazy sauce. And I think that's why I like it, because, like you said, it does have a very romance novel structure, um, except you're not as invested in the happy ending. You're there for all of the goofy shit that happens throughout the season. Like, I can't remember the name. I'm sorry, what was that? Sorry, it's like a crazy pants romance. It like, is. It's, it's the ones it's, that are just like, what? But you can't put it down because yes. it's so delightful. Like, there was one, se- I think it was Sean's season, where there was one woman who, I don't know if they just really edited this shit out of everything she was on, or she was that, like, just, I remember at one point he was talking to one of the other women, and she's, like, crouched in a dark corner of a pool room, rocking back and forth, talking That's to Onion? herself. Was that actually Onion? Or no, was it Tierra? It was Tierra, I think. Yeah, don't steal her sparkle. Yes, and it was, you know, it, it was, I don't know how to describe it. It was just, it was hilarious. It sounds really mean to say that, but it was really... She knew what was going on, and she knew how she was being cast, and she was like, you know what? I'm going to up my game to, like, we're going to turn this up to 11. <laughs> yeah, I like the women who, like, really go gung-ho with it and just go full-on crazy. Like, they're the ones who frequently feature the most. And they create sort of a character of themselves. Right. Yeah, and exactly. They have, like, characters, like, Corinne's nanny was... A, a part of her okay so for the people who didn't watch Corinne had a nanny but it was basically just like a personal assistant who she still called her nanny I don't know it was weird um but they really focused on it and made her talk about it all the time and always edited it so it looked like all the other women were talking about it all the time it's they probably weren't talking about it that much but they edited the 10 minutes they were into the 10 minutes of the tv show 
Right. And I think, you know, they made it out to be like, oh, she's an adult woman who still has a nanny. And then when she was actually interviewed, I think in the Women Tell All, what she talked about was the fact that this woman had worked for her family for years and that she had been a very important like maternal figure in her life and that Corinne's mom had been diagnosed with ovarian cancer and had gotten so sick that at one point they were actually making um, funeral arrangements. She um, she did live. She made it. And she said, you know, I could not have survived this. My family could not have survived this without Raquel being there holding the family together. And she said, I don't feel comfortable calling her like a domestic worker or a cleaning lady because that is not what she is. And so I called her a nanny and maybe I misspoke. And so I think, you know, you get to you kind of get the the actual truth of what's going on behind the scenes and not what the producers are making it out to be. There's so much, so many more layers. Right. There's a ton of layers. And I think that's part of the fun, too, is trying to figure out what's actually happening versus what we think it, or what the producers want us to think is happening. Yeah. I think you, you have to kind of have some context for yeah. it. And you can't watch it alone. You kind of have to know what's going on other otherwise. Otherwise, they look like such terrible people. And they do. Clearly not. There's so much more happening. I would I would argue that Nick is legitimately a terrible person. He's kind of like he's very dude broish on the show, which is not appealing. And one of the things that he I think one of the things that really bothered me about him and maybe it was just the way they edited it was that he was very he he was very invested in the fact that the women were here for his entertainment or his amusement or whatever you know they were doing and when it wasn't working out for him he would have this like little tantrum and it's like okay well you've also got 30 women who are coming on this show and have pretty substantial odds of being rejected publicly on television and are being asked to compete with each other on very little sleep so you can just shut the fuck up Nick. <laughs> yes agreed agreed and towards the end every time they were together we were all like they look so unhappy in each right. other's presence. I could not figure out. I mean, so he was down to two women. He was down to Raven and Vanessa. And Raven is all like, I'm so excited for our future together. And Vanessa's fucking sobbing, like hysterical sobbing, because she's pretty sure this is a bad idea. I'm. They, they have to be broken up now. Like, I oh. don't believe they're still together. No way. Or that they like each other at all. When I saw your recap of the, you know, after The Bachelor and you realize, A, that they don't really spend that much time with each other after the show, the filming comes to an end. And like, well, are you still together? And they're both like, yeah, baby steps. I'm like, are those baby steps backwards or forwards? After the final rose was one of the most brutal interviews I've ever seen. And we've seen some pretty embattled couples up there. I'm thinking just of last season's JoJo and fucking Jordan. Who sorry, sorry. Are, yeah, I sensibly feel together. I swear a lot. Sorry. Um, they, uh, that's totally that's, fine. Right. Uh, you, have you have you heard me? <laughs> have you have you read the name of the site? Uh, yes, I forgot who I'm talking to. <laughs> it was terrible because they can't answer the most basic questions like where, where are, are you gonna, gonna live? live? <laughs> Again. She does not to move to L.A. She doesn't want to move to L.A. Her whole family is in Canada. She clearly loves living there and doesn't want to leave. And yes, that's but he has dance. to go dance with the stars and, like a baby dinosaur. He has priorities. And the other thing is she has a legitimate, successful, interesting career in Montreal. 
and his job is reality television, right? So he's got like another year before he ages out. Like she's actually invested in something substantial up there. Yeah, and I think it's probably that's probably the conversation they're having right now. And she's probably saying, you know, I went on this show, but I'm not really interested in having a lifetime of reality TV. And he's kind of like, look, I want to be an actor and I want to be a host, and this is kind of the way I have to do it because I'm not a good actor. And <laughs> they're kind of butting up against the reality of their lives. So I think we're going to see a breakup pretty soon. Yeah, and I, I I don't mean to offend you, ladies, because I know you are in LA, but the fact the fact that he is picking LA over Montreal speaks a lot to me just about his decision making. No, it, and he, if you come to LA and want to be in the entertainment business, there are realities about that, and I he's been here for a little while. I'm sure he knows that, and, and that's just like a separate world. It, it's a weird world, and we have nothing to do with it. But it, it's here, and it's a, it's a big part of this city. I think there's definitely something to be said for... Yeah, and regardless of the cities of L.A. versus Montreal, I've never been to Montreal, I hear it's nice. Um, her entire family lives there, and she's very... They have lunch every Sunday, which sounds nice. Not only that, Nick, you could flee to Canada right now. There are so many people who want to flee to Canada right yeah. now. Have you seen what Justin Trudeau looks like? Go, go now. Run, don't walk. He hugs pandas. <sighs> yeah. He's yeah. he's not the sharpest tool in the club. He's I, certainly a tool. He, he <laughs> is a tool, but he's not a particularly sharp one. Anyway, have you heard what she's been saying about what she wants to do now? She wants, she to, wants to start change. a charity, right? So that's another thing that has become a part of Bachelor Nation. Several of the ex-contestants have started these charitable foundations. I'm thinking particularly of Sarah Heron, who has the, what is it called? She Lifts, I think. Um, it's for girls with disabilities. And they all kind of, like, go to fundraiser for it and Instagram about it. And I'm sure raise some good money for a cause. So if she wants to harness Bachelor Nation like that, fine. Do I think Vanessa is the kind of person who will be happy doing that? No. And I think she told us that herself. That that that's not, she doesn't want that kind of life. But that's what she supposedly says she's setting herself up for. See, that just makes me sad. Like, she has to make all the change and adjustment because he wants to be on reality television. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fucked. It's just not. And it's difficult to root for a couple. And I think we all, I think... The general feeling in Bachelor Nation was it's difficult to root for a couple where you're clearly making such a huge sacrifice that you don't really want to make, and he's not even, like, thanking you for it or acknowledging the sacrifice you're making. Why would he not choose the person who really wanted to be with him? Like, did he give any indication as to his actual feelings or that he had any or that he knows what those are? There. He can't sit sideways on a couch. That's right. I (laughs) forgot. I forgot. I'm sorry. What am I thinking? His head does not make the decisions. No. His heart makes the decisions. Yeah. It's not his heart making the decisions. Vanessa <laughs> rocks a push-up bra like nobody's fucking Vanessa's business. Vanessa's body, body be banging. But so is Raven. Yeah, that's true. Raven was and so hot. I loved Raven. And also she was, like, bubbly and fun. And, like, they would have had fun together. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Okay, so... So, like, I am, I am super, super straight on the Kinsey scale. I'd fucking marry Raven. Yeah. Yes. 
he's fun. She seemed like she would be really fun to marry. And and, and she and she, she was very grateful for every orgasm. Well, but she was down to move to LA and try out Dancing with the Stars for a season, and then they could do something else. She's like down for it. Vanessa is not. But he did talk about, and actually his family talked about it too, that he is very attracted to um, very strong-willed kind of, I don't like using the word domineering because I think it's intended to make women seem mean, but kind of strong-willed, assertive, domineering women. And then his family points out he's attracted to these type of women, but then he's not willing to make any compromises and it just turns into like a nuclear situation where everything explodes so i think he has a type that does not but he he doesn't know how to manage a relationship according to that type and if we're talking about romance novels someone would write a romance novel like an erotic romance novel where he just meets the the female dom of his dreams yeah vanessa like she was a more difficult character to cast because she had a lot of different like she could be sweet she could be difficult and, and so they kind of, like, didn't know what to do with her. And they bounced around with their edit. And so I think it was difficult to, like, believe that Nick was falling in love with her because we weren't really seeing any side of her except when she yelled at him about Corinne. And I, and we, we watched the show with Rebecca Weatherspoon, and she said that's the moment Nick fell in love with <laughs> He told the minute she called him to the carpet for his shitty behavior, he popped a boner so hard. He was like, "Oh, I love that!" And so he made a choice really early on that Vanessa was was the girl for him, and then he kind of didn't deviate from that. But I mean, if you look at, I mean, Andy, who he supposedly fell in love with, came on at the end to yell at him too. Like, I think he just really likes brunettes who yell at him, and that's okay. <laughs> Oh yeah, he wants a woman. It sounds like for many, from my completely unqualified perspective, um, I have no business offering an opinion. But I, I'm not going to stop. I mean, why would I? Do? Duh. He. It sounds like he wants someone who is determined to be be independent and strong and make decisions for themselves. And what he wants is for that person to both simultaneously be dominant over him, but then also to choose him. Yeah. Right. And 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 he does want them to be submissive to his to some things he wants them to like move to the city he wants to live in and go along with his life plans but also be bossed around in other ways so i would imagine it's a very difficult position for his partner to be in because it's kind of like what do you want bro but that's you know what that's such a legitimate thing like i have found professionally that there is a certain measure of success i have achieved because like uh, well-to-do, successful professional dudes, the meaner I am to them, the more they're into it. They're like, we're going to promote her. She's mean to me. I like it. That's seriously, if you unpack that for about half an hour, you're nowhere near the bottom of that bowl. Oh, God, no, no, no. <laughs> Whoa. So are you going to watch The Bachelorette and are you going to watch Bachelor in Paradise? Like, are you are you both in for the uh, the complete cycle, the cycle of rings? It's different rings, though. Paradise, our viewing party kind of falls apart. They may be more invested this year. They may be more invested. We've gotten a lot of people hooked. I will say we are, I don't think we've ever been so excited for a bachelorette as we are for Rachel. Oh my God. She is so poised and cool and 
fun. She's so fun. And her family seems cool. And we're really excited. And we're not obviously ignoring the fact that she is the first black bachelorette, which is obviously five years too late, but I guess better late than never. The potential cringe factor, though, like I, I'm going to go black and I'm not going to go back. Well, that was terrible. That's a thing that somebody not only said out out loud, but then was put on television. Like, listen, I'm going to break one of my abdomen muscles. He yeah. said it on live television. They didn't have the opportunity to Jesus. edit that out. I think we woke up our neighbors like 10 women just screamed at the top of their lungs. (laughs) The only other time we screamed was when they brought out those puppies for Raven to play with. (laughs) Yes. But like, can I just say, you give one woman a date where you're playing with puppies and you give another woman a date where you're dunking her in icy water? (laughs) Who do you want to spend more time with? What? (laughs) Nick! Not only that, my favorite part is they did the icy water date like the afternoon before they're supposedly going to sleep together. Like, you know, his balls have not descended yet. Like, <laughs> one of the things that I find super interesting on the show, because so one of the things that really annoys me is when people get bitchy about the show, specifically men, and they're like, see, women just want a hot guy that's going to be like rich and they'll they'll compete for that. And it's I all superficial. Just going to ask so, you about this part. Yes, bring it. So first of all, first of all, women's bodies uh, have been commodified for marriage and all kinds of other things for thousands and thousands of years. So you can shut the fuck up and sit down like right now. If a bunch of women want to compete for a hot guy, that's their fucking business. But I do think it's really interesting that the show creates an illusion of wealth around The Bachelor that's not real. Like, I don't think Nick has a job other than reality television, but the dates that he's taking these women on are super elaborate, and it's not like he's he's not paying for it. He's not setting it up. He's not thinking of it. Someone else is doing all of that, but it does create this illusion around him of, like, a really opulent um, idea of romance, and I can understand where that would skew your perspective. Like, if I went on a date with a guy and we took a helicopter to a private yacht, I'd probably feel slightly different about that date than if we went to Denny's. So there's basically a huge amount of wealth surrounding the development of the relationship, but that wealth isn't actually there. Right. Right. But there's also a, everybody talks about how they just want to be normal. Yeah. I'm not buying that. Somebody gets a normal date where they go grocery shopping and they're like, oh, but the other girl got to like dress up in a Cinderella outfit. Yeah, they frequently reference grocery shopping and it's like, what do you guys think you do in a grocery <laughs> store? Like, it's not, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. I think a lot of people go on the show. Okay, so here's the truth. To go on the show, you have to have a job that you can take a six-week leave from. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... It's not like it's a bunch of people who take their careers super seriously. Now, clearly, there are there are exceptions to that rule. Rachel is a lawyer, and by all accounts, after she was kicked off, went back to da- uh, Dallas from Dallas. I think so. Went back to Dallas and returned to her practice. So, Andy Dorfman, on the other hand, was a lawyer, didn't want to go back to being a lawyer, and now lives in New York. Wrote a book. And is kind of like a gal about town. So sometimes the bachelor can maybe take away your career ambitions. <laughs> but yeah, there's not a ton of people who have a ton of money unless they have it from their family. Right. I don't think that's a huge like stereotype to say. I don't know. But 
yeah, there's not a lot of wealth actually. And Nick has not had a real job for right six years. In the first season he appeared on, I think he was billed as a software salesman or something. <laughs> right. So what do they get paid for this show? What does the show compensate them for their appearances? Do they get paid? Is it like this? Is it like Survivor where you get a uh, certain amount of money based on how long you last? I think everybody gets paid like a stipend kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're given a lot of free shit, but I don't know. They, if I think they have to pay them at least a little bit. Um, That's interesting. I don't know for sure. Do you I know, Elise? I, I have no idea. I mean, I would imagine it's probably, like I know on Dancing with the Stars and other reality shows, the more you get paid, or the, you get paid more for the further along you get. It's right. kind of a sliding scale, which makes sense. Wasn't there a season two where there was some scandal? I can't remember if it was The Bachelor, where one of the women and one of the producers, like, hooked up. And... Oh, my oh my gosh. God. It's the greatest video of all time. You must link to this. It is so fun. I'll find the YouTube clip and send it to you because we watch it. I, we showed it. We watch old clips sometimes during the commercial break. It was actually on Bachelor in Paradise, and they did a reenactment of what happened. And it is so amazing. I will now describe it for you. Yes, please. So I don't remember either of these people's names. The girl, like, I think voluntarily left Bachelor in Paradise and was, like, super weird. She was like, she was very squirrely. She was like, I don't think I want to be here. Da, 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 right. I'm leaving. She didn't come right out and say it. So then she goes back to the hotel where they stay at before they like get on a plane to go. Cause this is in Mexico. Um, so they do a reenactment of a female producer knocking on her door and she sticks her head out and then you just hear a crash and the male producer who she's been shacking up with has jumped off her balcony and broken both of his <laughs> and then they go to his hospital room lying there he has two broken legs and he's so high on pain meds and they're like bro you made a mistake and he's like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's so amazing I can't breathe. The producers were literally crying. Laughing. Oh yeah, the one girl, the girl who, the producer who knocks on the door is like recounting this story. They're like, "Tell us what happened. What just happened?" And she can't stop. She's crying, laughing. She can't it's stop. So, it's so funny. It was like a friend of theirs, like did this fucking stupid thing and jumped off a goddamn balcony and broke both his legs. <laughs> it's so amazing. Oh god, that's. That's worth watching a show for right there. (laughs) It is so freaking hilarious. It's one of the funniest things to ever happen. (laughs) Other than the raccoon that they Yeah, we'll find the raccoon clip too. So wait, in Bachelor in Paradise, are they already paired up and they just have to survive as a couple? No, no, no. It's just like they're heavily hinted. Right, but that is how Paradise works. You get to stay in this free Mexican villa if <laughs> you have a partner of the opposite sex. So it, that's they like bring new people in and out, and if you haven't paired up with somebody, then your free vacation ends. But the bartender in Paradise, oh my god, plays like a very large role because he's like their confessor and therapist they all like go to him to talk and he just like stares at them and is like oh my god yes. get a life it's very entertaining uh that's good they also edit them talking to animals like they just have a lot more fun on paradise 
And also it moves a lot faster. The dates are like two minutes long because they know nobody cares. Yeah. So that's good. <laughs> so at the end of last season, four couples became engaged. Whoa, that's a lot. A lot. Two of which have broken up and two of which are still together. Who was the fourth one? The Oh, one couple got tattoos of each other's names and then oh, they broke up. No. Oh, that's like the kiss of death. Okay, yeah. so the thing is that their couple named together was Grace, which is like a real word. So they just have Grace <laughs> in their arms. Well, okay, that's less awful than a It's so stupid. It's like, we all know what you were doing. You're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> we really didn't like them. Okay, um, then there was Amanda and fucking Josh, which, to get into Amanda and Josh, you have to know, like, a lot of Bachelor backstory, so I won't really get into it. But she has two kids, and... They, they are adorable, and she dresses them like tiny boho supermodels, which is a little weird, but whatever. You do you, girl. Uh, but I did not approve of preparing with Josh at all. No, because he's kind of like a major douchewad. And and there are accusations that he is not above board and maybe abused and Not physically, but emotionally abused Andy Dorfman. And um, Carly and the erectile dysfunction doctor are supposedly still together. Yeah, and he has kids too. But she had tried like six times, so it was good that she got somebody, even if he is an erectile dysfunction doctor. Yeah, you know, you do you. Um, and <laughs> who then the last who was one? the last one? I can't remember. It's a lot. It's a lot to remember. We can't. We can't get them all. No. Um, but so, like, that's ridiculous. You know, four couples getting engaged at the end is ridic- is a ridiculous thing to happen. Well, eventually you're going to sober up and it's not going to be warm and you're not going to be on vacation. And that seems like yeah. it could be a problem. Bachelor in Paradise is even shorter than regular Bachelor. I think they're there for, like, a month. Yeah. But you do get a lot more alone time. You you can you could spend like every second together, but still like what you're not ready to be engaged after that. That's ridiculous. Success if you're a success story, story they're going to bring you back to reunion shows, and you're going to get better endorsement deals on Instagram. And there's a whole economy around the Bachelor family which we cannot ignore. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of these people have gone on to other things, like whether it's Dancing with the Stars or some kind of promotion, or I mean. Or Us Weekly is really short on shit to write about this week, so they're going to check back in with so-and-so. Recently, a lot of the women have become lifestyle bloggers. Yeah, they and then they start, you know, they use links, affiliate links to sell their clothes. Like, it's just... Catherine Lowe has done one of the best jobs in which she was a graphic designer before yeah. the show, and now she has her own line of stationery, which is actually really cute. It is it is so interesting to me because I I like I said I am not a reality show person and it, it's not a thing that interests me but listening to people who are super enthusiastic and into all the different layers of what your what story you're being told is fascinating. I think one of the things that you know we touched on like in terms of they're not actually spending a lot of time together. You know that plays into a lot of romance tropes like when you think about actual courtships that would have happened in the Regency, I mean, you don't spend any time alone together yep. until after you are married. But it's the same thing with, with fairy tales. Like, I went to see Beauty and the Beast yesterday. And um, Cinderella, it's, it's, they go through this elaborate courtship ritual, but they don't actually spend any time alone together until after the happily ever after. How was Beauty and the Beast? Oh, my God. 
it was it's not perfect and I will acknowledge that but it hit me right in my nostalgia feels and I loved everything about it and I went with my eight-year-old niece and when Gaston dies at the end everyone knows he dies she goes yeah he deserved it <laughs> I like her they actually attempted to answer some questions in this version that the first version was like as an adult you're like how did everyone suddenly forget we had a monarchy? Like, how did that happen? Right? I want to know, see, the, the fundamental problem with Beauty and the Beast, and I know you guys have to go in a minute, is that, you know, if, if, if the timeline as stated in the intro is correct, then a strange woman came to an 11-year-old boy's house and she, he wouldn't let her in, which is the right decision. And as a result, she curses him and everyone who works in the house with him, where the hell his parents are, I have no idea, and they are stuck because of a decision he made and they're all taking care of him and nobody says hold on you told a strange woman in the middle of the night as an 11 year old boy presumably home by yourself not to come in your house that's the right call in this version he's a lot older so i'm guessing he's in his 20s and they also make a big point of the fact that he's a shitbag and like he overtaxes his people and all he cares about is having all of these fancy things in his castle and pretty people to surround him and he doesn't give a shit about anyone else. So he is um, he's older when it happens and there's also more context around him just kind of being an awful human being in general. That makes sense. All right. Is right. there anything else that you guys want to add to this episode? I'm now tempted to call it He's Like Leftover Meatloaf. Yeah. 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 I Left, think that's a great title. Leftover Meatloaf. Elise, Leah, and B talk about The Bachelor. I would like to have a reality show where um, someone has to live with Nick for like three months. And, <laughs> or like a group of women do. And you win by getting voted off. Like the winner, like the better you're doing, the sooner you get to leave. That's amazing. The, the, the quicker you get out of there. All right. Thank you guys so much for thank doing you. this. I know you have to go and open your store and be awesome. Um, uh, we we do have to open our store and put it back together because about 300 people came by yesterday. Was yesterday yes. the panel discussion? It was. No, Chris- that's on Thursday. Oh, my God. <laughs> today, today is Sunday, March 19th. Yesterday was an event with Kristen Ashley and Kylie Scott and Joanna Wilde. Oh, that's only are- a few hundred people. They were all fabulous and wonderful, but there were four million people, and we came home and collapsed into our beds. Um, Yes, Thursday. Sorry, there's a siren going by. Thursday is that awesome panel discussion. I'm so excited for that. Um, I would not be able to keep my cool in front of the Fug Girls. I would lose it. I'm so excited to meet them. Oh, my God. B's going to freak out. I'm going to lose it. I'm very excited. Um, I would lose my shit. Well, thank you guys so much for talking about The Bachelor. It's I, our thanks for having delight us. Delight that this is like a part of our job. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Like, I, I have to I have to go on and talk about the Bachelor. So, would um, you guys be open to doing future conversations about future uh, super, future franchise appearances? Oh, hit us up whenever. Um, yes, <laughs> yes, we would be. Um, we have high hopes for Rachel's season. So, you oh, know, dude, we'll talk at the end of that and see how it went. And that is all for this episode. I want to thank Elise and Leah and B and, of course, Mr. Fitzwilliam Waffles for hanging out and talking about The Bachelor. I hope that you enjoyed this as much as I did. 
I'm hoping that after the next season of The Bachelorette, we can have them back together to talk about how that went in their opinion. And I'm still probably not a reality television person, even though I found their conversation so interesting. I would like to thank Tracy Ewins for sponsoring this episode, and I would like to tell you about her book, Exposure, which you should totally know about. It comes out on March 28th, 2017. And because Tracy knows you like romance, she would like you to know that her latest contemporary has the following strains of excellent romance reader catnip. First, a world-traveling wildlife photographer heroine, Meg, who has recently moved back to San Francisco because she wants a life with more stability and she wants to see her family more than once a year and do crazy things like own her own toaster and consistently use a full-size tube of toothpaste. Part two, a famous hero with secrets. Weston is a famous actor known for blockbuster movies in which he drives exceedingly fast cars, but he would kind of like his 15 minutes of fame to be over. He misses his privacy, and in real life, he's a terrible driver. And part three, a fake relationship. And I know you just perked up because yay, fake relationship. After a very simple kiss on the cheek, a media frenzy erupts around them. And when they're thrown together in public, Meg gets to know the real person behind all the photographs. And West begins to wonder how he can live his real life without her in it. Love is never easy when it seems like the world is watching. You can find out what happens by pre-ordering Exposure wherever ebooks are sold. And big thanks to author Tracy Ewens for sponsoring this episode. The very funky music you are listening to, which I am seriously enjoying as I produce this episode, is brought to you by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter, at Sassy Outwater. This is Caravan Palace from their two-album set, which includes both Caravan Palace and Panic. This track is called J'ai Mamousse, which means I'm having a good time, I think is what that means. Um, someone who speaks better French than me is probably like, no, that's not what it means. You can find this album, both albums, in one convenient package on Amazon and iTunes, and you can find Caravan Palace on Facebook and on their website, caravanpalace.com. I will have links to The Ripped Bodice and Fitzwilliam Waffles Instagram, which you should totally take a look at, as well as different and different links that we mentioned during the episode, especially the Santa Fe Animal Shelter's Dog Bachelor program on YouTube. You know I'm linking to that, right? So if you would like to find additional information... You can come find the podcast at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast or at itunes.com slash dbsa. And if you are enjoying the podcast, I would like to ask that you have a look at our podcast Patreon at patreon.com slash smartbitches. But if that is not a thing that you can do, totally cool. If you tell a person that you like the show and you recommend it to someone else, you leave a review, you subscribe on whatever podcast uh, listening app you use. Those are enormously helpful, so thank you very, very much. On behalf of B and Leah and Fitzwilliam and Elise and myself and all of the animals here trying to help me edit this episode, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend. <laughs>